Welcome to the Reticle Up Podcast, where I, Three Gun Kenzie, will be interviewing competitive shooters, hunters, fishermen, archers, entrepreneurs, and outdoorsmen. Come learn with me as I interview people from all walks of life, in different disciplines, all across the world, from novices to professionals of all ages. No matter what, everyone has something they can teach you. So come join me on the journey. Welcome back, all you Radical Up podcast listeners. I'm excited for this one. I have Nick Collier on. He is the Director of Special Operations at Double Star USA, and he's also known as Pew Pew on the Pew Pew and Stabby podcast, and we'll get into why he's called Big Timber. I'm a man of many names. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Nick, how are you? I am fantastic. It's Wednesday, you know, well... You can listen to this any day, but today is Wednesday in real world. So, you know, you're almost to the weekend. Everything is starting to kind of wind down. I like it. It's a good day. Awesome. And for those people uh, listening, you need to go watch this now on YouTube. How many patches do you think are behind you right now on your wall? (laughs) Um, A few, a couple, uh, a plethora. I don't know what you would call it. A lot. I've been at this for a while, though. True. You have like what two square inches left up there on the board? Yeah, right there on the <laughs> oh there it is in the middle. Yeah, that's it. Glorious. So if you uh want to do a patch swap, I'm sure Nick will do that for you. So uh <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I love patches. I don't know why. I mean it's the most useless. I mean there's nothing <laughs> to it. It's Velcro and some material, and yet I see these things going for hundreds of dollars, and I'm like, what? Yeah. It's like the, what, Pokemon cards and baseball cards in the day? Yep. Yep. Just because somebody had them, you did. You wanted them. <laughs> I finally put up all the dragons on my board, and I was thinking about it. What if I did, like, a scavenger hunt one day of how many dragons can you <laughs> identify in the background? There you go. We can come up with something for that. Win there we a little, go. Win a brimstone or something. I love it. Love it. So, uh, yeah, starting off, can you believe what you do for a living? M- most days, No. Every now and then it's work because it's 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 a job. But most days, no, I, I'm pretty lucky. Um, right place at the right time is about all I can say. Uh, this is not a career that I even remotely thought I would be in when I was a little feller. Uh, <laughs> and they said, what do you want to be when you grow up? I did not say, I want to work for a rifle manufacturer, <laughs> be their social media director. And get so, to shoot matches and that's paid for <laughs> yeah shoot shoot matches go do cool things with cool people and, and meet a lot of cool people and it's it, it really has been a, a thrill ride from day one love it do you have your little uh your little hank in the background there no actually I, I, hank is uh, being supervised by uh, Haley right now she said she'd keep an eye on him for me love it we're not talking about a person <laughs> we're talking about a little dog it's the cutest thing ever but at double star they're pet friendly they've got all their family dogs running around the place uh, yep that's cool i mean that's another benefit of family business right there yep my mom uh takes my dog to work every day so she's the flower delivery dog that goes with the employees to deliver flowers so we get it <laughs> hey that's good dogs make people happy they do they do so do you want to give a quick rundown um, of how Double Star got started? Because uh, I know I learned a lot when I took the class on how, how it happened. And a lot of people don't know where the origins uh, are. Right. So Double Star started as JT Distributing. Jack and Teresa Starnes started the business late 70s, early 80s. They kind of got taken off selling gun parts out of tackle boxes out of the back of their car. 
just doing gun shows, you know, place to place doing gun shows. And then they kind of grew and grew and they'd start going further and further and they'd be gone for a week or two weeks or three weeks and they'd go all across the country and sell, you know, what started off as reloading components became, you know, M1 carbine parts and all these old kind of World War II guns. And eventually they started doing AR stuff when there was nobody doing AR stuff. But at that time, there was a 16-inch H-bar barrel, a 20-inch H-bar barrel, and a 24-inch bull barrel. And that was it. There oh. was no more. Those were your options. Didn't matter what handguard you wanted as long as it was the one we had. <laughs> there was just The stuff wasn't out there. Um, you know, Knight's Armament was really the first accessory company, and we were one of the first commercial distributors for them. Uh, same with Magpul, Yankee Hill, all these companies that, you know, everybody's heard of now. We were among the first to carry them way back when they were first uh, getting started. But eventually it grew into doing gun shows. And um, then in 99, they decided they wanted to do whole guns. And that's where Double Star is actually Starnes. So it was the, the, the mom and the son. There were two Starnes's. So they went with Double Star for the name of the company. And uh, the dragon is, you know, dragons are cool. They, they, they're fierce. They got a lot of fire. Uh, you know, it seemed to go hand in hand. And, uh, yeah, so now we do, we're more of a manufacturing company. We kind of made a switch uh, late second Obama term, first Obama term, somewhere in there. <laughs> and uh, so now we have a machine shop where we manufacture our own parts, about 25,000 square feet. And we do all of our own assembly here in-house. Um, of course, the Ace product line, the blades, all that stuff here in-house. So we've been real lucky as we've been able to grow as the industry grew and kind of maintain when the industry wasn't doing much. Right. You've seen a lot. And we'll get into that because there's so much change. Like you said, Obama administration, we got Trump, we got now. It's just all different. <laughs> right. Right. Trump was better for us overall but not necessarily for gun sales yeah <laughs> so it's a it's a conundrum there you know you want to be able to go to work tomorrow but you know you have to be able to pay to keep the lights on so you know you make adjustments where you need to <laughs> pros and cons to all of it <laughs> that's right that's right it, it, it's it's work that's when it's work it is <laughs> so i know you touched on it earlier um but for you what do you feel like the best part of working in a family-owned business is uh, well, I'll tell you, my son has grown up here. He, you know, as soon as he was old enough to leave the house, he came to work with me and the, uh, the owner's 84 year old aunt came in they brought her in and she took care of him and my two nephews and they've been around their whole lives. Now they're 19, 16 and 14. Um, but you know, if it's a day where the schools are closed, you know, say bad weather, which may never happen again now that they know they can zoom everything, <laughs> but, uh, or, you know, it's just a random day off, uh, you know, people bring their kids here and they, they run around and play together. Um, so it's pretty cool. Cause now we have a pretty wide range of, of ages. We've got a little bitty, you know, three, four year old, as well as all the way up to 19, you know, so which 19 is working now. So that's different. <laughs> <laughs> but it is neat because they don't even realize what they're growing up in and what they're seeing and how that's normalizing, which should be, you know, being around firearms, that they are safe, that they are tools. And that's right. pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Right. Yeah. I tell people, you know, I could 
lay an MP5 and an M16 and a scar on my kitchen table, and Chase would walk right by it. Yeah. Like, it wouldn't even, because he's just so used to it. Yeah. And that's a good thing and a bad thing. He's a little jaded, because he's seen some really cool and shot some really cool guns, and he's 14 years old. Right. Uh, but <laughs> at the same time, I don't have to worry about him doing something he shouldn't do. Right. Uh, I tell you what, though, as good as you teach your, your own children, somebody once told me, he said, man, you can teach everything to your kid. You got to watch your kid's friends. Yeah. You know, when they come over, you got to be aware that even though Chase knows not to do that, you know, his buddy may not have ever seen a gun before. And that's a, that's a big deal. So <laughs> yeah. you just got to be careful. Yeah, absolutely. So, OK, I want to know what does a day in the life of Nick Collier look like? um i'll tell you what we're gonna fast forward to school because that's that takes up most of the time so i'm a dad first before i'm pew pew or big timber or anything else <laughs> so we i take my son to school every morning he goes to a school that doesn't have buses and it's about 30 minutes from the house so i take him to school and then i can come here and i work everything i can uh, until about two three o'clock then i go pick him up uh, now he's playing soccer so it'll you know, have practice later that helps but uh so i take my laptop with me and you know i take care of things while i'm waiting for him in the truck you know modern technology has made it very easy to stay on top of digital things uh, but uh i had to write down notes on this because my days are pretty scattered uh, <laughs> but usually we have we have a 9 a.m meeting every day kind of you know every, the department heads get together and say you know this is what i got going on if they need help or if somebody you know whatever we can kind of kick off the day with that um, and then it just depends on on what's going on uh, whether it's preparing for a show uh, a trade show like we've got nra coming up in a couple of weeks so we're kind of doing prep for that or you know usually i'll go out and make a round in the shop say hi to everybody make sure everybody's okay awesome um, being here the longest uh, you know i've been able to sometimes people struggle with little things and i've been able to help them out so i like that just check on everybody, you know, make sure everybody's all right. Uh, a quote here real quick is check on your people. I think I've heard Nick say that probably a hundred times. Take care of your people. That's right. Uh, I, I'm a strong proponent of that because if you don't have your people, you wouldn't be where you're at anyway. hundred percent. Yeah. Right? I love that. I need to get you a plaque made. <laughs> that's right. That's my, that's I'm going on my business card. <laughs> check on your people. Make sure everybody's okay. Uh, especially when, you know, like in COVID and stuff where everybody was, kind of locked down real yeah. easy to get in your own head when you're sitting around by yourself Ooh, yeah and kentucky yeah. was a lot different than some of the freer states you know that i've been in yeah we have a uh a, a governor who who is a very you know get your vaccination which is fine i'm not against vaccination at all yeah. um but the the way everything was for a while we were lucky because we were we're pretty contained yeah. Um, I can sit in my office and close the door and stay away from everybody, but that's not the way it is on the floor. Right. So it's a little different for them, but everybody's, you know, the people working on the assembly line, they're family anyway. It's a yeah. mom and, and two daughters. So they're around each other anyway. So that didn't really affect us. And, you know, we've got several situations like that. So we were able to work, you know, not really have to worry about masks too much just when we have people in and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, it's, you know, friends that, that you normally see quite often, you know, you kind of drop off and you check on your people. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh. 
see. Do your rounds. Are we are we finished with the day? <laughs> oh yeah, let's see. After that, um, now that sometimes is where things pop off is when I'm doing the rounds. You know, right. that can take the rest of the day. Something can come up and it just takes a minute. But uh, now usually then I go up and I check on the social media and the email and that kind of stuff. Uh, make sure everything is is rolling along as it should. And then we've got the graphics department. We're in the middle of a website uh, upgrade. Cool. So that that's coming. But that requires a lot of uh, maintenance and things to change and updates. and, and A headache. Yeah. Yep, so I just we've been working not. on that. <laughs> yeah, we've been working on that. We'll do that with... I think we're at like 4,000 pieces of inventory. Oh my gosh. So on a web, on two websites, three websites. Yeah, it's fun. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> right now we've been able to run a platform that runs all three of them together and we'll pull from the same inventory and all that stuff. But yeah. that is not what I was built to do. Oh, no. <laughs> it's beyond me. <laughs> uh, luckily, I have very good people that, that know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then we have lunch. You know, usually around lunchtime, normal, and uh, just finish out the day doing whatever it is that comes along. I have visitors. You know, <laughs> I had, that. Uh, yeah, it happens. Uh, and that's that's good, actually. I, I like that too. But uh, I had a guy go pick up a rifle this morning. I mean, you know, it's just we don't have a store, but if people are local, we'll let them come pick them up. And wow. so there's a lot of that. Then sometimes we teach class. Yep. Uh, so that usually takes two days out of the week which we got to talk about that real quick um what is that class uh for for people that don't know because i loved it it was the coolest thing i've ever done um but who teaches it what do you teach and what do those certifications look like so that is the double star training academy and my my buddy tim morning teaches that class uh he's been with us over 10 years um done the gun shows and all that kind of stuff like i do he runs he does the sales stuff here and the customer service department. So if there's a problem, somebody calls and they say, I want to talk to your manager, that's Tim. <laughs> and he handles it. But uh, he also teaches the, the armors course. It's a basic AR-15 armors course. We start with very basic rifles. These aren't high-speed guns, like three guns or anything crazy. They're just normal production <laughs> carbines. And we basically teach people how to take them apart, put them back together, how each part works why it does what it does and give you a little history in the AR-15 as well as troubleshooting at the end. We talk about why things happen and try to show some pictures and how to clear them, uh, all that kind of stuff. So, and then we do a test at the end, a written test and then a performance exam where you actually strip it down, take all the parts, put it in the blue bin of doom and we shake it up. (laughs) We dump it back on the table and you have to put it together. And Tim adds some some surprises for you. Sometimes there may be an extra detent spring or firing pin. You go, what? Why do I have this part? What did I bring? Why is this here? Yep. Thanks, Tim. (laughs) But I think it's a good class. We do 10, 15 people at a time. I mean, it's 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 a good time. Usually it's a lot of police officers getting certified. Uh, if you're in Kentucky, it counts for KLEC certification. So I actually get paid to be here. Cool. Uh, that's the, you know, the Department of Criminal Justice here in Kentucky that they don't teach an armors class. So they said, well, your all's is good. And they checked the curriculum and did all that and said, cool, we'll let them come and get paid with you. So, yeah, yeah. it's a little paperwork. Tim doesn't mind, though. 
no, I was gonna say their, their website's awesome. So the go, go on double stars website, check out their training. Um, so for someone like me who knows nothing and who breaks things and who is very terrified of touching things and fixing things, I now can strip apart my AR, put it back together, know when something's wrong. And that's crazy, crazy cool. I mean, so if I can do it, you can do it. And that, that class was, yeah, you'll say basic, but it was more than that. It was amazing. So. Well, good. I'm glad you liked it. I, I, I get a lot of people that are, are real happy at the end. Uh, you know, we're pretty laid back. We're not, uh, this isn't a military style class. You know, this is a, we know you're here because you want to learn. Uh, if you already knew you wouldn't be here, yep. you know, why waste your time? So we're, you know, we're here to help. If you got questions, ask. And, you know, everybody gets along and cuts up. So I, I think it's a good class. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. So you've got that going on. Uh, any other things randomly throughout your weeks that'll come out? <laughs> um, oh gosh. You do podcasts every, every now and then. I do podcasts fairly regularly. Um, uh, sometimes mine, sometimes other people's, uh, I enjoy that though. The, the podcast is, the podcast is our fun. Yeah. Um, so that's good. Uh, but no, that's, that's it. You know, it, everything's kind of situational. It depends on what's going on. You prep for NRA, you prep for shot show. You know, people don't realize that takes months. It's yeah. not something that we just start working on in December. Yep. You know, we're already, we've already got our booth. We're working on the booth design. We're talking about what we're going to sell, what we're going to debut. We got a couple things in the fire that may or may not be ready. So there's always that, uh, well, do we take a picture of it and show or do we wait? Right. I highly advise you wait until you got one in your head to take it and talk about it because there, we have been caught one or one or two other times showing something that wasn't quite ready and it taken a while not because of something we did but because of the subcontractors dropping off the face of the planet oh that's normal that's fun drawings and everything just Bye. two years worth of work oh. yeah so there's that there's days like that those aren't as good no, no. And yeah, like most people don't know if really when the end of shot happens, you take about a week off, you know, to sleep. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta rest. Yeah. <laughs> then you go back to planning for the next year. That's it. And yeah. that's all there is. You just go. Um, but uh, yeah, that's it. And then, of course, we do the trade shows for dealers. You know, Tim does, Tim and Ernie do those. Uh, they do a great job. Ernie Sandoval used to work for Ergo. Uh, we got oh. lucky and we were able to snake him. Um, the ergo tool that helps you put that stupid detent in <laughs> the pick tool. That's right. Ergo pick tool. Those are, I don't know what they sell them for, uh, but if you take the class, you get one for free because yep. they sent oh, them to us to give out. That's, that's it. Uh, well, and the cool thing about the class is it's about half of what everybody else's class is. Yep. I've said most everything has been six, $700 and ours is three twenty-five. Yeah. We provide the gun. We provide the tools. We provide the information. You just got to show up. And the patches and the ergo tool again it's worth it you get some <laughs> some swag with it i've been talking about like a challenge coin or something yes. that you know i took to this class and it's the only way to get it yeah we're, we're like, working on that like so. that so yeah but, ergo tool <laughs> yeah ergo tool and then sometimes we take the class on the road so if you've got a police department or a few police departments in an area that want to take the class we can throw that stuff in the trailer and haul it to wherever you're at oh that's cool and, yeah. and do that. we've done that several times awesome people listening take note you need it <laughs> that's right if you need it you got a department or whatever we can we can make it work 
Awesome. So how, how many years have you been with Double Star? April coming will be 20 years. Holy cow. That's a big yeah, start in April of 2002. Wow. And that's when you knew nothing about firearms. I came in a complete, you know, I had no background whatsoever. Uh, you know, I'm from Eastern Kentucky, so I'm a hillbilly. So I shot a, a revolver and a shotgun each once, you know, so that was pretty much the extent of my uh, good knowledge. Yeah. But decided I wanted to be a police officer. So I was working at Walmart and my brother-in-law who also is the vice president here. There's the family connection. <laughs> um said yeah i'll pay you what they're paying you and you can ride with me to winchester and i was like that sounds good i could learn about guns i'm going to be a cop i need to know this anyway (laughs) and uh basically started off doing the nasty stuff you know taking old guns out of cosmoline and cleaning them up and just yeah that was nasty if you've ever worked with cosmoline imagine doing it for like three weeks straight with guns that are big you know water cool machine gun oh, it was a mess <laughs> i smelled like it you know you go home you're all stinky and feels like you got vaseline all over you it's weird <laughs> yeah 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 so anyway that was how it started here That's cool. um, but there was 10 of us we weren't super huge busy or anything so i was lucky to get to learn kind of each piece one at a time mm-hmm. bolt carriers and and butt stocks and all that stuff we just I kind of grew as the business grew and got to learn. And sooner or later, we, we had an assembly line making butt stocks. And that was where my first kind of leadership role came in. And after that, it's just been, I've kind of bounced around and done different things, but mostly I focus on the media department. That's kind of where, where you I shine. Oh, you absolutely do. You can't put Nick behind a, a machine right now. No. <laughs> Go talk to people. <laughs> I can't, I can't do it. I, I have so much respect for people who can go in and do the same thing every day. No. I just, I'm not built like that. It, uh-huh. it is, I got to be talking to somebody. The machine would be like, please make this guy shut up. <laughs> you know, it'd be horrible. Um, the day the robots didn't That's why, that's why Terminator 2 starts right there. <laughs> they won't shut up. But uh, yeah, so I can't be, uh, I can't be pinned up like that. No, no. So, okay. In, in 20 years, two decades, um, what have you seen about the firearms industry, like change the most and all of that? It's grown a lot. I've seen a lot of growth um, specifically to the AR-15. I've seen it go from kind of a gun, like every other gun that wasn't like you had a couple of different options, but there wasn't a whole lot. Uh, like I said, there was three options when I started. And so it's gone from that to what it is now, where it's not just a, a tool or a hunting, you know, implement. It's it's kind of a statement. People using their firearms as a statement of who they are. They're designing firearms uh, to have a specific look along with function. Right. Uh, whether it's you know, a lot of people were saying, well, three gun always kind of, you know, leads the way with that. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying that's wrong because I, I feel like after shooting three gun for a little while, um, just a few years, <laughs> eight years, about eight years. I saw a picture the other day, about eight years. Uh, but I've seen so many different things and matches and different styles of shooting. And that's really open for me working in the industry, open my eyes to Oh, well, just because I do it this way doesn't mean that's the way, you know, there's so many different interpretations. You know, you read a stage brief and I'm thinking 
okay you go around to the end and shoot all of them and, and daniel horner's like why are you shooting down there when you can shoot them all as you go you know this is everybody's got their experience and the different perspectives but uh that's probably been the biggest thing is seeing an ar go from a basic basic tool to more firearms in general becoming an expression they got their deadpool paint jobs or their pickle holsters or whatever you know whatever it is i mean i shoot the red gun we have Revival. a go fast red yeah, yeah exactly yeah nick's a go fast red so is scott y'all like the red yeah the red is sexy and anodized uh, and i'm from kentucky i'm a big blue fan but my high school was red and black and then as you can see on your uh, flag behind you there our colors are, are red and black so it wasn't a hard transition but uh, <laughs> right to but match. A, a red rifle is, is pretty cool but i use that as a tool to say hey you know three gun is a is a game and these guns are built to play this game but ars can also be built for police officers you know what you're doing with it is huge when people say well i don't know what kind of gun i want and i say okay well what are you gonna do with it and how much money you got because yep. that i mean that's all other bs aside that is yep. what you need to know uh what you're doing and how much you can do it yep so yeah but anyway that's probably for me been the biggest change is just seeing the, the progression of expression that's cool that's cool so okay and then on the other side of that what's been like the maybe the biggest innovation uh in your opinion that you've seen hmm. <laughs> i thought the keltec uh when the keltec shotgun came out you know the dual tube feed shotgun yeah oh that was pretty cool was um <laughs> and of course now there's the i just saw where smith and weston dropped one a pool pup <laughs> yeah right so that's cool whatever <laughs> I, I, i'm glad to see people continue to try because what it is is a lot of variation on what's out there yeah so uh you know the people are taking like the ar and putting folders on them and putting uh there's another company that's making a, a bolt that doesn't go into the uh into the buffer tube so you can make it a folder right and so these people are trying to make the gun we all love even more adaptable to whatever you know and yeah. then the different calibers holy crap <laughs> like that that that's make that exhausts me how many calibers there are available yes and and what are interchangeable and what are not like they can go one way but they can't go the other way <laughs> right right or the you know like the 350 legend that sounds like something you put in a lever action yeah but no we want to shoot it out of our semi-automatic ar <laughs> okay we'll, we'll try it you would think too, I mean, almost like with the AR, it's like this platform is great how it is. And then it's like, oh, wait, but there's something new. And you wouldn't even think that there would be more to add or, you know, it could be better. It's crazy. Right. Cool. Yeah. You have to be, you have to be continually like a lot of times when I'll sit in our meetings, I'll think, okay, how can we make the AR any different than the options that are out there? And the other thing you have to consider is how can that, will that difference be enough to make one, make an impact in the market? to catch on yeah because if you spend however many thousands of dollars developing this widget we'll say <laughs> for the ar and it's a big turd <laughs> you're just out you know yeah so you got it's very nerve-wracking yeah and like a lot of these they come out every year at shot show and some are hit some are misses uh and like you said yeah they could be a total flop <laughs> right well think about uh in that example franklin armory 
awesome people, mm -hmm. good dudes uh, and, and ladies. But they came out with that gun that shot the football-looking projectile. Yeah. It had no bore. It made it an SBR, but it wasn't an SBR. It was huge for SHOT Show. And maybe three or four months after that. But have you heard anything about it since? Nope. Uh, and it's, it's cool. It's an option. It's out there. And, but it did exactly what it was supposed to do. You know, the, the, owner, the owner said that was a complete accident. We were just kind of goofing. <laughs> And it just took off. And I thought, well, that's how it happens. You can't really plan viral videos. They just do whatever. It's no. terribly, terribly hard to plan. Yeah. <laughs> so are there uh, any plans for release in 2022 for Double Star that you can... Uh, oh, let's yeah. see. I'm trying to look up our skirt here, Kenzie. <laughs> Exclusive. <laughs> Exclusive reticle up drops. Uh, I tell you what, we are working on, actually, you probably already heard about this, but it's relatively new news. We have purchased the classic aluminum car stock, uh, the casting and everything that Essential Arms was using. And we're taking that, and of course, we're putting it under ACE. You know, this, it's called the ACE, Essential ACE stock, like EA, but it's not EA, but it's Essential ACE. See what we did there? Oh, yeah. I got it. <laughs> Uh, but it's basically a two-position aluminum car stock for your retro builds, and it's very nice. Um, we've done some initial drops. Some of them were kind of blims that we got from the original manufacturer, and we've, we're running some more now, so we'll have those available. Uh, actually, I think there's some available now on the website. So if you're into retro builds, we didn't really innovate that. We just brought it back. I like it. Uh, that seemed yeah, it seems to be a, a trend, you know, people building retro rifles. Oh, yeah. I mean, retro rifles and mom jeans, they're everywhere. I don't get it. I went through the mall the other day, and that's what they're called in the window. They had their mannequins, and it said mom jeans and, like, boyfriend killers or something. And I was like, what? They advertised them as mom jeans? I thought that's just what I called them. So, <laughs> as you all can tell, I'm very fashion-sensitive uh, and know what's going on yeah yeah i haven't walked into a mall in um probably a decade like really? not kidding yeah i just mm, sorry uh, amazon's the place or buy something online i don't really clothes and shoes is shooting stuff who can i talk to on amazon nobody i can talk to all kinds of random people at the mall 511 i have gone to 511 that's not the mall but 511 is like my new store and then yeah. you all sent me in t-shirts so i'm good that's right your t-shirt supply is is, is loaded <laughs> But like for real, <laughs> Nick's giving me my five outfits, so I'm good for a week. <laughs> You're good for a week at a time. I love it. <laughs> oh man! So okay, this let's go in and talk about more about Nick Collier, right? Oh. Um, so you you talked a little bit about this before about your firearms background being next to nothing ish. Um, I listened to the awesome podcast you did with humans doing business, so you can learn more kind of about your journey there. But I want to talk about. How do you feel or what do you feel like the learning curve is like in the firearms industry? Was it a lot? You know, is it still a lot? <laughs> I think it's worse now than it was yeah. when I started, honestly, uh, especially in the AR market. Again, I keep going back to that, but that's what I know. I'm not, yeah. I'm not, just like I said, I didn't have any gun experience. I didn't have anybody to teach me growing up. So my gun experience has been in this building or in this, in this company. So it's, it's all ARs, 1911s, and 308s. That's that's it. Yep. And then the guns I hunt with. So that's really all I've done and what I've done for three gun. Uh, but yeah, I think it's there's a lot. 
but people can get overwhelmed with that that shiny stuff mm-hmm. instead of focusing on the guts and the things that make a rifle really perform like it's supposed to when you buy the rifle you say i'm buying this gun i have a christensen uh hunting rifle that mm-hmm. i use in 300 win mag and i bought that gun specifically to go get elk you know okay. if i have to shoot a long distance or whatever and the scope set up for it that is my elk gun i take it to colorado and i bring back meat and it's it's worked pretty good a couple of times <laughs> but you guys there's so much out there that you can put on. I bought, what did I buy? Oh, I bought a, a level mm-hmm. to put on the scope. Yep. Cause I mean, there's, you, there's the potential to take a thousand yard shot out there. Uh, I don't because I'm not that good, <laughs> but 500 yards I'm comfortable with. That, yeah. But anyway, so a level would make a big difference. Well, I put it on and no matter how I did it, it was in the way of the bolt handle. Hmm. Right. So then I'm like, well, you can't have that. Right. So there went the level somewhere else. Sometimes you got to get rid of that stuff. Just shoot the gun, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. What do you tell, tell newbies, I guess, listening, what are the things that make a rifle perform better that you should take the care or time to, to switch out or make sure it's good product? For me, I'm always looking the barrel. Mm-hmm. The barrel's hugely important. Your trigger. Because if you're jerking the gun, it doesn't matter how good your barrel is. Your scope. And really, it's a combination of your guts and your glass. I don't think muzzle brakes are necessarily... Well, let me back that up. I'm still thinking hunting rifle. Sure. Depends on the gun. Right. Depends on the purpose. But, but the uh, you know, the barrel, the trigger, the bolt. You know, you want your stuff to hold up. You want to be able to have a nice, smooth trigger pull. You want to be able to see what you're shooting at. And when you make adjustments on that scope, you want them to be actually what they say they are, not just guessing. Yeah. You know, you get, you get some, you get what you pay for with glass, just like you do with anything else. You get those low-dollar scopes. Some of them, you turn it, and it says it's a half-minute click or half minute click, and it's not. <laughs> it's not even close. It's a minute, a minute and a half, or like a quarter click i mean there's no way to tell so then you take that scope off sell it to somebody else that doesn't know any better and then get a nice one i was gonna ask you that question um do you think it's worthwhile for people to really take the time to save up and invest in a good rifle and good glass versus buying a bunch that maybe are eh? okay my perfect example is my elk gun i plan on dying with that gun (laughs) okay because I, I did that. I looked, I investigated, uh, I learned about it, learned about the bolt and the trigger, and I knew exactly what I was getting. Mm-hmm. And I knew it was going to be expensive. I knew the scope was going to be expensive. But buy once, cry once, buy the good stuff, take care of it. You don't have to worry about it. I, I've never been the guy that has to say, hey, look how many I have. Right, right. You know, and there's people like that. <laughs> yeah, this guy here, he, he'll do anything I want him to up to this big and then the next level is this one yeah and then there's my pistol and that's all exactly that sucker hit well kenzie did but that sucker hit 630 yards in competition this weekend 630 wow that's yeah. a long shot it was finding a long shot i moved to mills uh, i knew i knew my reticle and i knew the holds i knew the ammo i knew my everything right but that that rifle can do anything it's pretty cool that's awesome that's fantastic <laughs> i've never shot an ar that far 
oh well we're gonna have to do that now yeah i've shot 300 wind mags that far but i've never yeah. shot a, a, an ar-15 223 that far oh, uh, 50 i think was the longest shot i hit that's still far that's is that rock that Thunder valley yeah. yeah that's awesome yeah so okay what is your favorite rifle accessory that you have to have on your guns <laughs> outside of the guts of the things that make it run awesome and right we make we make this thing called a tactical bottle opener and it's a rail mounted bottle opener and it's aluminum and it's not very big but it's just big enough to also work as a hand stop <laughs> so for those of us that like to shoot with a hand stop that that does that it's dual purpose and then when you're ready for an ice cold l8 in between stages you just open one up and if you smoke there's a hole in it that'll hold a cigarette and then you can watch the wind you know you can see if it's moving across for your long range these are all items on one little thing it's like 15 bucks called tactical bottle opener tbo it's on doublestarusa.com check it out i had no idea you can't breathe i can't breathe the cigarette you didn't know about the tbo no but the cigarette the way you said <laughs> watch the oh, wind oh, that's that's I, I don't smoke, but my man, my man Tim does, and he said that it works. So <laughs> wind calls are important. Oh, that made my day. <laughs> yeah, it's all about using what you have. This is true. This is true. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's probably my favorite accessory, uh, and I really like the red anodize. Yes, anodizing that's, is so pretty. That's that's just go fast. Yeah, I yeah. I don't go fast, but my stuff looks like it can. <laughs> oh god nick is my favorite person i can't uh, <laughs> sorry guys too laughy today uh so you shot you were saying a revolver um before ever working at double start and, and all of that mm -hmm. so what else did you like progress into shooting and then what was your first gun you eventually bought yourself well i worked here for quite a while like probably a year or right around that before i ever really got behind an ar-15 okay because one i didn't want to ask that so was the new guy. You know, when you're the new guy, you just kind of keep your nose down and do what they tell you and just kind of and when something goes by, you look. Yeah. That's what, what is that? You know. <laughs> uh, but it took me a while before I did that. But finally I did get to shoot one. And of course she's like, ah, when you get done. And then then they pulled out an M16 and I was like, ah, you know, it's the next level. So um yeah, around here you just jump right in. You know, you get in there and it's pretty cool because they have several different firearms not just ars mm -hmm. that that they bought for samples or whatever and we use them to make product uh different parts you know if we, we make feed trays for m60s and 240s i mean cool why not, cool. You know? why not? yeah <laughs> but you got to have one so you know what where, where it goes and how it fits and all that right and then you got to shoot it because you got a 240 you got to shoot it you got it now <laughs> uh yeah you already got it you might as well rough life nick <laughs> stuff some days are tough but my first firearm i ever bought was an sks a yugo sks okay at knob creek and i think it was 2003 or four and they had a big crate full of SKSs for 80 bucks what yeah what i'm that old so they had a big crate of of Yugo SKSs with the bayonet that snaps out, and I was like, "This thing is the coolest gun I've ever seen." <laughs> you would. I had to have it, and it was eighty bucks, and I was like, "Really? Let's be honest. 
I can afford this gun. Yeah. I want it. Uh, so I did. I bought that gun and I still have that gun. Oh. Uh, yeah, it's not going anywhere. That's awesome. Yeah. But my first AR was a Critter Slayer. So it was a 24 inch fluted bull barrel. Ooh. The uh, the Badger handguard we looked at the other day. Yes, the flat chunker. The flat. Yep. I got one of those. That was my first uh, personal build for myself. And my man Chris Hatton in the back that does our 1911s, he did a Cerakote job on it for me. And it was, I still got that one too. See, that's cool. And a lot of those I'll never, ever, ever sell. Like they're sentimental. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, there's some guns you just can't get rid of. Family guns, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm a hillbilly, so I hold on to that stuff. Grandpa's old shotgun ain't going nowhere, you know? Oh, yeah. All my cowboy guns, I haven't shot them in a while, but I can, I'll can. i never sell them. I love them. And that's, I still think that's awesome that you shot a cowboy action. I miss it. I need to get back into it. All I need to find are pistols, but I even have a lever action shotgun, so I could go into lever action shooting. It's so cool. That's awesome. That's so one cool. thing I've never really done. <laughs> Oh, I want a side speed shoot with that guy. I bought it from somebody. This is so funny. I got like one of the world champions to teach me how to shoot it basically. And then I went and won the side competition after like 30 minutes of instruction. Nice. <laughs> so it's never happened to me. It's never happened. No, I've always been at the bottom, even after 30 minutes. Oh gosh. Well, we've got to coach you or you've got to focus. We'll talk about that. <laughs> it's so hard. I know. Nick is squirrel. And then he's off, you know, True. <laughs> I watched him shoot his first USPSA competition. <laughs> I think I gave up. <laughs> I, I think USPSA takes more concentration than three gun. It does. You have to know where the targets are. Well, I didn't know that. <laughs> you didn't know that you need to know where the targets are either. I knew that. I just, I mean, they're all the same. I just shoot them. It's true. Didn't know when to reload. Didn't know that they're like, you have to count rounds still. <laughs> you have to count. I have to shoot barefooted. Oh, I'm in pain. Let's talk about that. So um, you said eight years ago is when you first shot your first three gun? Yes. Where was that? My first three gun was at Bluegrass Sportsman's League in Wilmore, Kentucky. And it was a one-day match, a local match. Uh, Jesse went with me, my brother-in-law, VP. And we went out and we shot, and it was a very big learning experience. But – Here's what I will say. We are very blessed in this area because we have so many people who are awesome that are shooting three gun. Brian Ray was there. Pike Spragans was there. Greg Brown was there. There were so many people that are local to me that maybe because I worked for Double Star, that helped a little. They weren't afraid to come over. But they said, you know, hey, man, you're doing this all messed up. And they taught me uh, and showed me things. You listen to them? It was a different stage in my life. I'm past, <laughs> I'm past the point of listening now. It's true. <laughs> uh, no, but there for a while, I was I was pretty serious. When ammo was reasonable and I had time and, and yeah. you know, I was able to get away from the house a little more. I was getting better. Sure. I was still, I was mid-packer, but I was high mid-packer, right? The last Blue Ridge I shot, Brian Rice said, you actually look like you've done this before compliment and i was like thanks buddy he didn't know it and he didn't probably mean it that way but my heart grew three sizes that day it was, oh, it was beautiful <laughs> but uh yeah i just now it's more of uh for me i go and i take product and i talk to people and, and hang out um you know it's like a big family and you know how i am anyway with people so i'm yep. just excited to go down and hang out i don't care if i come in last place 
well i take that back Teresa, god bless her she's she passed away a few years ago but she told me when i started three guns she said nick <clears throat> don't get disqualified and don't come in last and we'll be all right <laughs> and knock on wood hasn't happened yet that i've been able to hold strong to that there was one match i was close Uh oh <laughs> i was not i was like three from the bottom <laughs> But I wasn't last, and, and that—that's all I that, checked that box. Yep, there you go. I didn't know that. I like that. Yep, Keep that so up, Nick. <laughs> that's that's my uh, my goals for three gun. Love it. I just right now, I just know that with what I have to do for my son and the amount of time that it takes to be a dad, I I, I just don't have time. The time it takes to do this and that. Mm, when I go home, I sit down. And I'm like, <laughs> you and David just shoot, you know, once a year. Your annual, That's it. Annual just keep it. fresh, you know. Yeah. But now I'll, I'll go shoot with my dad. I'm very lucky. Uh, or his next door neighbor, same people that I grew up next to. Uh, they have a range right in a field in front of dad's house. So it's I've known him my whole life. So he's like, yeah. Meantime, a lot of my secret squirrel uh, product testing is done there because <laughs> it's they've got like a portable building and steel targets on hydraulic lift. You cool. that raises them all back up. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Heck yeah. Shout out, Shout out to the bakers. <laughs> so when did you first know that you were in love with with three gun or at least competing and all of that? Um with three gun, the first the real exposure we got was the pr- first program we went to okay. uh Rock Castle. And Jesse and I went down strictly as exhibitors because okay. they had the exhibitor tent. It was it was different when we started it was it seemed like there was more exhibitors there it was i don't know it was different it kind of went up and down as far as exhibitors go there but anyway we go and tom carpenter is there and he says nick you gotta come watch me shoot and tom's been our shooter on, on team double star since there wasn't he was a double star is, yeah <laughs> um so i went down and i watched and i was like that looks like a lot of fun like i then i realized oh you're just running around shooting stuff right that sounds like an awesome time so i said i'm not doing another one of these and not shoot yeah because the amount of time it took for people to shoot and then get back to you uh you know yep to your booth in the exhibitor tent i can shoot and come back and sell stuff yep (laughs) you know when i'm in that situation so after that I, i continued to shoot and loved every minute of it really cool the people that you meet, the the shooting, the matches, doing the crazy stuff these guys come up with, Bruce and uh, you know Brian Ray and Brian Vaught, and just they're they're evil geniuses, and it's always fun. Oh yeah, hilarious! All of these obstacles. When I'm surprised I haven't fallen off an A-frame yet. Yeah, when you're all crinkled up <laughs> like a pretzel, trying to take a 400-yard shot on your weak hand, and you're cussing Bruce, that's what makes it fun. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so which which of the three is your favorite gun to shoot rifle i figured that's like a yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that's uh that, well i shot it the most so i'm the best at it there you go i was like so you don't like loading shotgun so much fun. i think it's awesome and i i'm i'm still doing two at a time yep because oh, i got big fat sausage fingers and i don't want to practice <laughs> so <laughs> we're being honest right let's just let's just get it out there oh my gosh um, i am in no danger of taking y'all's trophies okay just know that just know i'm perfectly happy with my little bottle of oil 
and my stickers in your patch <laughs> my patch that's right that. um have we written in our to-do journal every day no i've been terrible about that actually <laughs> it fell down between the seat of my truck and i ain't even got it out come on come on gotta get back on that calling you out so how did you get the nickname big timber <laughs> so our law enforcement liaison uh sales guy another great dude that's been around for years and years is don always and if you're in law enforcement chances are you've had a class that don always has taught he just one of those guys that He's an NRA instructor. He's ILFI, ILEDA, all the different police organizations. He's a part of them. And he's an instructor. Uh, he's one of the people who helped with the active shooter program that they put into schools. Uh, he's that He's that guy. Yeah. Uh, he has a physics degree. Uh, the man is, is super smart. He's really into like ballistics and yeah. how bullets perform like in ballistic gel, like he's the guy that takes that gel and he's like, all right, so this did that and this did that and this bullet sucks or it's awesome, you know? So anyway, we went to a dinner uh, and we signed a, it was just he and I, we were at like NRA or somewhere where it was just us. I went to dinner with a client and signed a big deal, a, a six figure big deal. Oh, okay. Biggest deal I've ever signed uh, to this day. <laughs> and so anyway we shook hands on it, the the other person and i and don was there this was at dinner right so don was just kind of along for the ride and uh we walk out of there and he goes did you just shake hands for 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 that much money and i said yes sir he said man you swing big timber right he said i'm gonna call you big timber from now on <laughs> and, and after that it just stuck so that to this day is the biggest like the only time i really felt important and shook hands oh. and did a big deal not the only time i felt important i'll say no i'll make it sad but it was it was a big deal for me that day and then he said that and then my head swelled up a little bit mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. almost couldn't get back in the truck but i made it work. <laughs> but yeah so anyway so that stuck and big timber has been uh it's a cool name and people tend to like it and it's it's memorable absolutely i mean shoot they they named the big timber run stage after you yeah and you know what i told james anybody that knows me knows it should be called big timber walk walk i was about to say or waddle or or yeah Mary or like running i'm not running <laughs> i agree with that let the little skinny people run up down them hills i ain't done you like how i knew you were where you were going with that I'm yeah like, yeah it should be big timber crawl gosh it was so cold so far up the hill oh gosh yeah <laughs> And the sun, the sun yeah. got me last year. That was terrible. I couldn't see anything. Well, I was a shooter, what, one after you or two after you? Yeah, you were close. You were right, either right after me or, or two after me. But Same thing. You had the sunshade. I was just closing my have, eyes and pulling the trigger. Didn't have a sunshade yet. Oh, you didn't? I made one right after them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, that was rough. It's horrible. And the slug targets that were blue and a green with a light now. Yeah, no. what? I think I came in last on that stage. Oh, it's okay. I'm not mad. Did you really? You're gonna see me at the top or the bottom? It's fine. Oh man, oh man. Okay, well, big timber. So for those that don't know too, uh, you're also pew pew. So who yes. is Stabby, uh, and what is the pew pew and Stabby show? 
So Stabby is actually Rob Cabrera. Uh, he's also known as Philo because of his knife company that he had before. Uh, it's kind of how we ended up, well, the knives. And then Jesse and he are Kali, uh, they participate in Kali, and hmm. Rob's an instructor. Uh, that's how they met initially. And then we decided we wanted to do blades. And instead of doing blades like other gun companies, insert other gun company here because i don't know of anybody else that instead of just going to another knife manufacturer and saying hey can you make me 10 skews yep. put my name on them we actually made our own uh or my knives are made in-house so we wanted to do it different and that's kind of what sets double star blades apart from what else is out there because they're made right over there like i can almost hear it <laughs> Uh, we just did a run and finished them up. So and then they finished them here at house too. So we do the sheathing, we do it all. And Rob is the, the director of the blaze department and just, just a heck of a guy. He's very knowledgeable, uh, very passionate. Rob's very passionate. Yep. Everything he does, he does the complete opposite of me. I'm like, are you sure? And he's like, why are you still back there? <laughs> you know, let's go. So he pushes me, you know, it's a, it's a good, uh, it's a good friendship. Uh, but we do Pew Pew and Stabby show. We were talking about doing a podcast and Facebook Live or whatever. And it started off as Facebook Live. And we did it every week, every Tuesday, pretty much without fail, four o'clock. That's where we were at. And we did a hundred and I think 60 something episodes over the course of three or four years. And it was basically, it was just kind of, it had kind of gone flat. Sure. So that's why we kind of backed off and now we're doing the, the podcast because it's hard to uh, as much as we enjoyed the interaction from everybody yeah it wasn't always enough uh to keep things moving sometimes and it felt kind of like we were uh <laughs> dead air you know you don't want that yeah. um so i'm not somebody who can just talk to myself <laughs> i have to be able to bounce off stuff uh, hey, off people hey. uh, yeah Hank's okay. I had people in the parking lot at the grocery store looking at me the other day. I was talking to Hank. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so we do Pew Pew and Stabby, the podcast now. Yep. And we're trying to get more guests in. Um, we'll probably still do some live stuff. I'm actually working on a little setup uh, down in that vault where all those guns are. See if we can do something down there. Oh, cool. It should be fun. So keep your eye out for that stuff. But Basically, we talked about gun gun laws, knife laws, uh, anything that had to do with that, and then it kind of started to get outside of of that. We we did more of a general interest uh, show. Sometimes, yeah, the Reese Cup uh, saga, if you will, that was over several episodes. I mean, we tested a lot of things. I mean, those are my favorite though, where I get to eat Reese cups. <laughs> or the the hot the hottest thing you've ever eaten was on a podcast. Yeah, we did the hottest. So it was called the Death Nut Challenge. <laughs> I'm just afraid we weren't going to talk about this. So, <laughs> I like spicy food and I'm all about the really hot stuff. I've done the packy chip. I've done uh, the gummy bear. I've done Satan's toenail, uh, the sucker. Really hot stuff. But the Death Nut 2.0 nearly killed me. It was, it was rough. Uh, but yeah, that's the hottest thing I, I've ever eaten. It was like 
12 million scovels or something. There's a point where I think it just doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> but uh, that was tough. That one made me sweat. Oh. From everywhere. <laughs> and then later that night, it was even worse. That was that was when I decided I am done yeah. with hot challenges. Yeah. Like if it's just a bite, like see how hot this is, I'll taste it just a little bit. But I ain't going all in again. That was so funny. And it was so, like wrapped by itself though, right? Yeah. So there were five levels and they kind of increased in heat. And you're supposed to eat one, wait a minute, eat the next one, wait a minute, and then wait five minutes before you put milk or anything on top of it to, to beat the challenge. Hmm. So we did that. Uh, it was Tom, Robinette, and myself. Sabby was there for moral support. He said he wouldn't want to do it. He, he got ulcers or something. Yeah, Harder. older and wiser, whatever. But uh, yeah, so Tom and I did it, and it was substantial. If you are looking for super hot and to impress no one, <laughs> then, then eat that because. <laughs> You got to do that for yourself. You can't do that for everybody else. What does your what? wife think? About what? All of this coming home. <laughs> she knew what she signed up for. <laughs> My wife is an assistant principal. She's the one that keeps me lined out. This is true. She's the complete opposite of me. It's awesome. Oh, I love her death. So I could do like random food challenges and you would probably eat them. Not at all spicy, just random stuff. Hmm. Yeah, for the most part. So like I'm, not eating, I'm be- not eating any testicles of anything. <laughs> just I'm not taking my dog to get him neutered and I'm not eating anybody's testicles. No animals, no people, nothing. Okay, okay. so maybe not. <laughs> just not that. Where you went though was testicles. That's that's the line. <laughs> you thought about this before though like you have a oh. I've had well this is not the first time this has come up in my lifetime Kenzie people are always trying to feed me something weird <laughs> and that's I decided that was the line right there I'm not eating that oh my gosh I can't so going back to the podcast where, where uh-huh. can they find your podcast <laughs> our podcast called the pew pew and stabby the podcast is on spotify apple uh, google there's a whole list. We do it on Anchor. So if you've ever done anything with Anchor, you know there's like 10 or 11 of them. Half of them I've never heard of. <laughs> but it's out there. Uh, it should be pretty easy to find. And I hope you like it. It's it's fun. We've I've got to talk to some pretty neat people over, over time. Um, hanging out with Monza, hanging out with you, hanging out with uh, different people. So we're going to continue that. Uh, we did a cool one with Ben Langlotz about patents. So if you're into if you're a small business and you're thinking about patenting an item, that's a good one to listen to. Uh, he's a real good guy, been in the industry a long time. So we're going to try to only have people who have been around. You know, yeah. if we're going to have a specific topic, we want the best people to talk about it. Yeah, I'm not going to feed you a bunch of BS and, and let you try and figure it out the hard way. Yeah, no. I'm very big about research. When I come at you with a news story, I'm not going to come at you and say, Kenzie, so and so did this. Just because I saw it on TMZ, I'm gonna say that see it on TMZ, and I'm gonna look in four other places and make sure it's real. Oh yeah, I remember you have your note, your notebook, and your yeah. yeah always, always have notes. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, it. check it out. All right, cool. So, all right, now we're interrupting this podcast for a this or that food showdown. All right, all right. 
right. All right, ready? So first up, pickles or cucumbers? Pickles. <laughs> but do you want them sliced or whole? I don't care. I'll eat them anyway. Now, so my wife's like, what kind of pickles do you want this week? And I'm like, uh, spears. Okay. Spicy. Spicy spears or sweet petites. I don't care. Or surprising. Okay. Are you a Vlasic guy or a Mount Olive? Mount Olive. And it's only because I've met the mayor of Mount Olive, North Carolina. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> on, a, on a plane ride. Oh, that's cool. They have a pickle festival. <laughs> in, in North Carolina? In Mount Olive, North Carolina. Why are we not there right now? <laughs> but I don't know when the pickle festival is. We got to find out. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Spicy or sweet? Probably spicy. Okay. Yeah, I only had dill is my favorite, but between those two, spicy. Okay. Okay. Now, do you prefer a hot brown or a burger? That's a hot brown all day. There we go. <laughs> now, a, good, a good burger is good, but if it's between those two, it's a hot brown. Hot brown, which I learned what that is this past week with you. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> here, yeah. Here's a hard one sweet tarts or Reese's? Sweet tarts. Oh, that's surprising to me. Okay. I'm, in, I'm the minority there, I'm sure. But like, I prefer the sour fruity candy over chocolate. That makes sense. Hey, uh, it makes sense. You're, fru you're a fruity guy, Dick. Fruity, fruity. Okay. All right. All no, right. I like it. Uh, bison or venison? Mm. Mm -hmm. I eat a lot of venison, but that's because there's no bison at my farm. So. I'm going to stay loyal to my white tail. Okay, okay. But bison, again, bison is good. I like bison. So good. So good. So going back to uh, pickle life. Um, yeah, Nick showed up at uh, Mountain State last year with a jumbo-sized Mount Olive jar of pickles. That's right. With David, um, who I hadn't met, right? So you want to walk through that process of getting him in the car and the pickles? <laughs> David says, we, get, we go to pick David up and I throw everything in there and he opens the back and he says, is that a huge jar of pickles? And I said, yeah, don't ask any questions, get in the truck. So I, that was it. And then when I finally gave them to you, that's when I explained myself. But I just let him sit for, you know, however many hours and wonder, what am I going to do with a five-gallon bucket full of pickles? Oh, I love it. Anyone else would have been like, this is okay. Nick likes pickles. <laughs> David knew. He just got in. He didn't know. Whatever. That's a cool. We've been, we've been friends a long time. <laughs> true, true. Not surprised anymore. <laughs> yep, yep. So you you said you've been uh, whitetail hunting. We talked about your yes. win and all that. Um, what's been your favorite hunt to date? Uh, probably when I hunt. Well, I hunt with my father-in-law 99% of the time and that he's the one that taught me how to hunt everything i've learned i've learned from him uh so the good news is we hunt together a lot and we go to colorado every year or we have for the last four years i guess i should say every year mm -hmm. uh, but i really enjoy that time um it's neat we got we drive out so you know there's all that time on the road cutting up having a good time and but getting there and seeing a different terrain you know you I've driven all through the country, but actually getting out and walking through some of the most beautiful terrain you've ever laid your eyes on. And some of it is it's nothing but scrub brush, but you're on like a 10,000 foot 
plateau and you can see everything. Cool. So that's that's neat. I really enjoy going and seeing the different things. Uh, but elk is by far my favorite game to hunt. Neat. I want to do one of those. So have you harvested a couple of elks or? I've gotten one. Okay. I got it with the rifle in Colorado. Um, it was about a 450 yard shot with that 300 wind mag. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he was, I called him in from way out there. I, I was really surprised that he heard my call. That's oh, wow. how far away he was. And I know, you know, those animals have really good ears. So I, I factored that in. Still yeah. surprised. Um, he was just a speck on the skyline. And my father-in-law saw him. He said, blow that call. And I said, he ain't going to hear that call. But I did it because he knows and I don't. Right. And sure enough, he was going kind of at an angle one way. And as soon as I blew it, he nosed right to me. And here he come. And then my heart started beating. Right. Right. Well, here's the problem with that. It took that elk like 10 minutes to get over to me. And that whole time, I'm about to have a heart attack. And plus, you're at a higher elevation. So I'm already like, <laughs> you know, starting to wheeze. I'm standing still. I'm not moving. And I can't breathe. Right. So one of your questions you sent me was about buck fever. Yeah. Absolutely. I had that call in my mouth. And it had gotten to the point where I was going, hum, 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 hum. I look over, he's dying laughing. He said, give me that call. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, uh, it's hard to watch something for that long with your adrenaline pumping that hard, True. but it was, it was worth it. When he hopped over the fence onto our property, I was like, all right, I got him now. <laughs> that's awesome. And Gary's behind me. He said, all right, now. Wait till you turn broadside and you can take a pow. <laughs> he goes, did you shoot? <laughs> I said, yeah. See him laying down over there? Got Got it. It. <laughs> that is so cool. I want to hunt elk one day. That'd be neat. And it's good food. Oh, man. I love eating elk. Yeah. So good. So good. So many people don't realize that. I, I love bison, love elk. Deer is still good. I mean, yeah. <laughs> a lot of, you know, venison is is a lot of how you cook it. Yes. And then, but elk is very lean meat and it's, you can do a roast where you throw the peppers and onions in a crock pot. Oh, so good. <laughs> you so can good. talk to Nick for days about recipes. <laughs> That's it. That's my other, my other thing I like to do is, is cook food and eat. Yes. Or like the pickle and the spices and all of that. That was cool. That was a Facebook group. There's a Facebook that was group. Say. Pickled. I heart pickles. I think that's the name of the group. Go find I have it. to stop clicking on groups because there's so many things I want to watch and see, and you know, the recipes, this or yep. you know, world's funniest that, and I'm like, oh, well, now I can't see any of my friends stuff because it's all these weird videos. <laughs> those, those are my struggles, Kenzie. That's what I do. You need to use those two Facebooks differently. Use the other one for all the groups, and then the one for <laughs> light bulb. <laughs> That was amazing. Yeah, you have to. You're welcome. Yeah, I do. I forgot about that. <laughs> so other than elk, oh my gosh, and white-tailed deer, uh, anything else that you've harvested? My good friend John Harris took care of me uh, when we went down to Blade Show and I got a pig. It was the first pig I'd ever Ooh. harvested. Uh, wild boar. Shot it with a 300 blackout. Um, it was a Ruger American 300 blackout. Had a Pulsar thermal scope on it. Yeah. Felt like a spy. Heck yeah. Was it suppressed too? 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah, you can try it. That's cool. That was it. <laughs> and we said we said, oh yeah, I got it. Hmm. And I ate it, most of it. Um, the thing you gotta remember about hunting at night though. Anybody that's ever thinking about it, maybe you've only hunted deer in the daytime. You know, you hunt in the daytime, you sit and you get up there and it's dark. But the sun comes up and you get to see the world come to life, right? You see the squirrels and you hear the birds start chirping and chipmunks running around and turkeys and all this stuff. When you hunt at night, you are sitting in the dark. That's it. You don't see anything. You hear stuff. And you wonder what it is. You're very vulnerable because you're like, am I going to die? Is there a predator? I'm sitting in a pop-up tent and there's bears out there. Yep. <laughs> this is a terrible idea. You could take them. <laughs> yeah, right. So anyway, yeah. Luckily, it was only probably an hour, hour and a half we sat there. And then the deer and the, the hogs came out and that was it. He said, okay. shoot the biggest one. There was about 10 or 12 in the little group of them. Oh, wow. And I found the fattest one I could see and laid it on it. <laughs> so they're like they're like an infestation now on the property right like you want to oh yeah they they destroy uh they destroy your land it's it's horrible to, to look at um he showed me some of the damage that it, it, he's on a hunting lease yep. down there around atlanta so there's like five people that share this 600 acre uh plot of land but he took me around and showed me some places where they were moving through and just the damage it's, it's horrible and I can, and if they have litters so often, yeah, yep. you know, something's got to be done, or it's going—they're going to take over. They're like the lionfish of the land. Yeah, you know, yeah, they, people don't realize that. So they're, yeah, they're—you need to be exterminating them because they do breed right. fast uh, yeah, and young. I mean, they only—they don't have to be very old. Yeah, so, yeah, it's it's a it's a real mess. Um, it's definitely definitely an advantage to hunting. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, so have you ever hunted with a bow or just guns? We're gonna talk about that too, huh? Okay. <laughs> so I was uh I was drawn for a Kentucky elk, which is a huge deal in Kentucky. It's a random draw. Um, the year I put in there was only a thousand tags for the whole state. And I got drawn my first time. There were so many people angry at me. <laughs> But it was for a, an antlered archery tag. So a bull male elk with a bow. And I went uh, in Knott County here in Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And they're on strip mines is where, where they, where they kind of hang out, these old reclaimed strip mines. So you go all through the woods and you pop up on top of this and it's beautiful green, you know, freshly replanted in the last 10 years. So you got some trees. And first morning, pop over the horizon. They're like, just wait. Then you hear, you know, bugling uh, and you hear all of it. And that you talk about making the hair on your arm stand up. When you hear elk bugle, they come over the hill, about 30 of them. If I'd have had a rifle, I could have picked any one of them I wanted. <laughs> Been done the first 10 minutes. Right. No, that's not how it went down. Three days I stalked around that place trying to get close to these things. Finally got a shot on one. Turns out I'm not Robin Hood. And I went home empty-handed. Yeah. Great question. A couple questions. Did you okay. have a bow set up for you? Mm -hmm. Okay. It's a, it's a nice bow. What it is? Ain't the bow. It ain't the bow's fault. It was a hundred percent user error. 
But I, did you put in the work to do? I shot in my basement every night. Oh, God. Every night. This shoulder was three times the size of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you know. I know, so, you do it every day. <laughs> here's the thing. That was 10 yards, and I did that a lot. The elk was at about 40 yards. Yeah. And I did not have as many reps at distance. Right. That so, matters. That matters. It's a little bit off at, you know, 10 isn't much, but at 40, that level matters and all that, too. Oh, yeah. He <laughs> was, it was a shoulder blade. Sounded like I shot an oak tree. <laughs> and he just looked at me, turned around, and ran off. Oh, no. <laughs> and I found the arrow because I thought, well, maybe I got him, you know. But I knew when it hit, I mean, the sound of it was just like. Did you hit a tree? Hit... No, I hit him in the shoulder blade. Yeah? Solid. Okay. Too high. Way too high. Yeah. Solid bone. Mm. If he could have flipped me off, he would have, and then turned around and walked away. And then that was the only real shot I had at one the whole time. Oh man. But so those were hard. They're hard to get drawn for. And then I didn't even get one. So here's the thing. Here's what I'm going to tell people that don't hunt. It's called hunting for a reason. You don't always get one. Yeah. And buck fever is still real. And it's harder to draw back on a bow and be quiet. You have to stalk elk. That's what people don't know. Yeah. 40 yards. I mean, that was, I knew I was uncomfortable with that shot but I couldn't get any closer and I was running out of time. Um, so looking back, should I have taken the shot? Maybe not. Should I have practiced? I learned something, you know, you got to practice at distance. If you're going to shoot at distance, you got to practice at distance. Yep. Um, so there's, you know, a lot I took away from that, but yeah. it was, it was still fun. It was just, I'm definitely a rifle guy <laughs> uh, and being that close to him for that long and not being able to just, take one and go home it sucks yeah yeah i'm not i'm not big into bow hunting oh only because yeah one time salty it hurt my it hurt my feelings um have you what what release do you use a thumb or a trigger uh it's a trigger yeah so what i did notice about this is that when i was getting fitted i couldn't use the thumb without pulling like the shots were all in the same bad direction and as soon as we get the trigger it's, it's straightened everything out and it's interesting yeah. that a lot of shooters they'll share that similar uh, thing that they need a trigger because they're used to that yeah yeah i think that's the way to go plus scott archery is just down the road from us we actually bought a couple of machines that they had uh, years ago but they uh, they were they, they're at a couple shows locally that we do we see them so every once in a while i'll go over and talk to them you know especially when i was doing that i was asking a lot of questions yeah yeah. I'm not as poorly prepared for everything as I am for three guys. <laughs> Are you as good as that? You weren't unprepared. You just were done listening. I, no, I was new. That's different. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> I have plenty of guns, plenty of bullets and all that stuff. I just didn't know how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Uh, any funny hunting story you want to share with us? I don't know. I've told you three or four already. Kids. Uh, like Golly. <laughs> we can keep <laughs> Uh, no i mean that's a, there's always funny hunting stories every season it's just hard to remember didn't you shoot one out of like a car like you're literally in your truck all warm no no don't no that's illegal kids yeah i don't know oh you can't shoot animals out of them out of a vehicle didn't mean that that's, that's not what okay for everybody listening 
I am an upstanding hunter. Don't let Kenzie put ideas in your head. Anyways, what do you wish uh, more people knew about hunting? That you can't shoot from a car. <laughs> no, I think uh, a lot of people go into hunting always expecting to get something, and you don't. Uh, there's a lot more to it than that. If you're an actual hunter, somebody who really enjoys it and loves it, you go out there because, you, you one, you enjoy getting out. Here, here I sit in these four walls, you know, most of your life. You got to get out and see things. Uh, that's part of why I like to go. Uh, it's not always about the biggest rack. You know, there's been several times that I've harvested does for people who needed the meat. Right. Not, not, not wanted the meat, needed the meat. And yeah. it's something that, you know, I enjoy doing. I have the means to do, have the place to do it. And if I can help out a couple families with a little bit of meat, you know, I get the warm and fuzzies and I'm all teary out about it. That's, that's awesome to me. Um, but I will say this, when you do get a big one, it feels good. <laughs> I haven't done that. It's only happened. Uh, I've never killed like something that people would be like, Oh my gosh. Right. You know, I can't believe you got one that big. It's just, I don't know. There's just something about it. Yeah. You see an animal like that and, I mean, the elk was mind-blowing to me how big they were. Oh, they're you huge. Know, the they're rack so alone. Big. I don't understand how people put them on the rack and hike out with even the rack. I'm like, I would topple over. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and how do they run through the woods like that? <laughs> oh, no. I don't know. And they, they just lay their head back and go. Yeah. But, cool. uh, yeah. Well, and people don't know there there is a doe population control, too. Like, the reason that we have limits or or even season stuff. I mean, that's all set by people who are managing what's happening with does and bucks. Um, I mean, how many people hit them with cars? Yeah. Well, you, you can always tell when the rut's coming in around here, and I'm, you'll see it down in Tennessee too. The, the number of animals on the side of the road increases because yep. they, you know, whitetail, you know, bucks are friends all year long until the, until the rut comes in. And then they're not friends anymore. They don't run around together. Now in my game cameras, I've got three or four bucks hanging out, but that won't be that way. Come time for the rut when they're looking for ladies. All bets are off. No more hombres, you know? Right. But, I mean, think about it. If you only got it once a year, you'd be a little more high strung too. <laughs> the sorry, you, might, you might not be able to say that on, on a podcast. I love it. <laughs> That's how I got mine though. A little, little doe. And then the well, bucks chasing him. And I'm like, sorry, bud. Yep. Oh yeah. My favorite thing is when I see a doe, I'm like, where's your boyfriend? Yeah. Wait, wait for him. Where's your boyfriend? <laughs> so outside of shooting, um, you're a little bit of a car guy as well. Right. Yeah, that's, right. that's right. How'd you get into that? I was born a car guy. I swear. That's something that I've loved since I was a kid. Uh, Dukes of Hazard, Knight Rider. <laughs> all the shows that had cars in them, even the one that had a Viper in it. I don't know if anybody remembers that there was one called Viper. Okay. It was a Dodge Viper and it was like, I don't know. It was only on for a season or two. It was pretty cheesy, but I liked it. Um, but yeah, I've always been a car guy interested in cars. Um, the way they sound, the way they drive, yeah. just they're all different, kind of have their own personality. You know, when you get in one and get into another one, it's totally different. I mean, I get I it. Dad has his own personality. I get it. Right, you get it. Yeah, you go. If I go between my truck and, and you know, uh, my father-in-law has a couple Shelby Mustangs. That was totally. Yeah, I got to drive them both a couple weeks ago. 
The one is a 68, which is awesome. Yeah. Like that is a grail car. Most people would, you know, sell body parts for. Mm-hmm. Um, he also has a 2012. Okay. And they're just two totally different cars. The 2012 is like a rocket ship. And it, is, <laughs> it is made to go fast. And you get in that 68 and like the steering is, is kind of loose. Yes. You know, it's just, everything about an old car is nostalgic to me. And that's, that's one of the things I enjoy. So I don't care if it's a Ferrari or a Honda Civic. I love them all. That's cool. I like that. <laughs> what's, yeah. your, what's your dream car? If you, money was no issue, you, know, you could have what you wanted. What is that? I always said my lottery car was a Ford GT. But if, if I ever get a chance to build one, I want to build a 70 char- uh, Charger. Oh, okay. okay. Not, a, not a General Lee, even though I said Dukes of Hazzard. <laughs> uh, just, uh, just a cool, like, black. You know, I like black vehicles, so yeah. I'd probably do a black Charger. I like it. Well, I hope that about you? happens. Oh, about I have you? my dream. I actually what have is, my dream. My, my, it's, so, it's so weird to say that my dream truck was always a Toyota Tacoma in blue. And I remember when I was shopping for a truck when I was 17 or 16 with my dad, I picked out the blue Tacomas. I found some online and uh, we ended up, my uncle had passed away and we ended up buying the Chevy. So I had the Chevy growing up, but he knew the day that I was like, I'm buying a car. I'm finally buying my vehicle. He's like, you're buying a blue Tacoma, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) My dad's not one for colored cars. Like he likes, you know, black and white under the radar, nothing identifiable. No. (laughs) Yep. So I drive it. It's crazy. That's awesome. I love it. I think it's great. So I like blue cars too. So oh yeah. Did you I ever decide on the, on the rims on the wheels? I mean, not yet. Okay. That's that's down the road a ways. Okay. <laughs> so do you have home any- home ownership is, is expensive? Yeah. I got to replace some some decking. Oh. Well, yeah. when you got kiddo, so there's yeah. just well, there you go. Bye. There's, there's all the money. <laughs> oh, Nick. Do you have any like car related bucket a bucket list items though that you haven't crossed off or that you have crossed off? Um, I would like to take uh, some of the driving courses. I always thought it'd be fun to do uh, like the NASCAR course or uh, I mean I don't even really care. Yeah, give me something fast, put me on a racetrack, and get out of the way. Mm. That's what I want to do. Like I'm like the most competitive go kart racer you've ever seen at a go-kart track one year they had a meeting at shot show uh mark roth asked mark roth about it he put it on and it was instead of a stuffy meeting room we went to this indoor go-kart track and it was kind of sociable thing and we we all went and raced go-karts i mean i'm like this you know (laughs) mean mugging everybody when i drive by putting them in the wall but yeah I, i enjoy that so I really, I've never gotten to do anything on a real track, and okay. I'd like to do that. I've done drag racing, uh, you know, quarter mile drag racing, mm-hmm. but that was a lot of fun too. I would totally do that again, mm-hmm. anytime. You need to make the thing happen. I think Atlanta has those Lamborghini or whatever tracks, you know. Oh, we have we have a Kentucky Speedway, which is it's... just a couple more hours north. And just yeah, it'll happen. Why are you there. check that off? That's right. I need you never to. Know. <laughs> Yeah, so are you I'm going to go- take my dad and do that. He's he's a big NASCAR fan. Who would go faster? I don't know. It'd be it'd be dramatic, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 
is awesome. Um, are you one of those people who keeps their car spotless or people who live out of their vehicle? <laughs> well, as you saw, most of the time it's pretty clean, but every now and then mm -hmm. when we go a couple of weeks and it's rained every day, I don't fool with it. But yeah. if I see there's going to be three or four days of sunshine, I'll get out there and shine it up. There you go. Look good. Feel good. That's right. They go faster when they're clean. My uh, my recommendation, the decals on your car, they add five miles per hour horsepower. Yeah, five more horsepower? Yeah. Five more horsepower. I don't know. I always have had stickers on my vehicles, and I'm not putting any on this one. Yeah. This, this truck. So uh, I'm kind of liking the low-key, this big black truck rolling down the highway. Everybody going, is that him? I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. Is that big timber? I don't know. You should have done a vanity plate with that. You know, I actually did that six months. I didn't put anything on him. And I was like, I can't. I got it. I needed yeah, it. Yeah. Well, every every vehicle I've had since I've been here has got the dragon. So that'll come. That'll be the first one probably that comes back on. <laughs> I like it. Um, okay. So going back to like the guns and and we talked about a little bit at the beginning, but you run or you've raised your son Chase around firearms his whole life. Mm -hmm. um, how'd you teach him to respect them and take care of them and, you know, normalize that in your household? Well, like I said, he was here in the shop. Uh, so that was kind of, I want to say I forced him, but it was just by condition of him being here. That was a big part of it. Uh, we had an area where the kids played. It was up front and there was doors. We could close them in if we had to. You know, the kids, they, they run wild sometimes. But uh, everybody, everybody that worked here at that time was either family or church family or people that we knew. You know, we knew their family. We knew something. Um, so the kids being here has never been an issue because the people, if, I mean, I tell them all, if Chase gets out of line, line him out, you know, say something to him. Don't be afraid to, if he's acting a fool to, to straighten him up. Uh, and anybody in here could do that, and I'd be perfectly okay with it. But uh, I like those days are over, by the way. Yeah, he's... He's a, he's a pretty good kid. I don't have a whole lot of trouble. I'm just, just normal 14-year-old boy stuff like, yeah. why didn't you take the trash out? You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> no, and then, you know, teach them about them. Let them know, look, this is dangerous. This can kill you. This can kill you. This can kill your friends on accident. You know, explain the dangers to them when it's appropriate. Yeah. You know, there's every kid is different. There's no, at seven years old, you shouldn't, right. every kid is not ready to learn then. He was early because of where he'd been here, you know, so he, he knew about him from a very young age. But I think if you are, if you're a parent, and you have children and you don't know, maybe you're not comfortable with guns, then find somebody that is. Yeah. That maybe you can take your child to or you and your child to <laughs> and learn so that, that maybe you learn together. It's something you can do together, you know, yeah. uh, but it's important to learn, like I said, Make sure that your kids' friends, if they're in your house, make sure your stuff's locked up. Just be responsible. You know, these accidents that you hear about, it's never from a locked gun cabinet or a locked gun safe. Right. It's always something that was left laying around. Yep. Only stuff laying around. These, you know, they're guns. Hello, they're guns. Hello. <laughs> um, Whose responsibility know. are those, too? You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. As soon as you buy a gun, Yep. You know, you, people, so everybody's got the ring doorbells now, and there's an app with the neighborhood app, and it's basically just a bunch of old people get on there and complain. Uh, I swear there's gunshots by my house every night, and I'm like, 
Yeah. No, there's not. I'm like, no, you're good. No, that's not a good shot. You're fine. Um, I, I don't pay attention to them, but it sends me an email after you get so many okay. notifications and yeah. don't respond. Uh, but anyway, uh, it's just important to learn and teach and, and be able to, you know, trust your children with firearms in the house. Yeah. How hard it's is it? It's usually important. Oh, yeah. And how hard is it too for, you know, parents or even adults to say they don't know something, right? Admitting that you don't know something is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have a lot of pride. And when it comes to raising your kids, and I said this in that, that other podcast, when it comes to raising your kids, or if you're in a leadership position at your work, you got to put your pride, that's got to go away. Yeah. When you're responsible for other people's lives or livelihoods, mm-hmm. it becomes bigger than your pride, in my opinion. You know, yeah. you just got to do what's best for your people. You got to write that one down too, guys. Another, <laughs> I like that. Oh, I think that's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I think if you don't know, admit you don't know. And then if you're interested, go learn. <laughs> and make sure the person you're learning from knows what they're talking about. Yeah, I know it's harder to do, but I guarantee you, if you're listening to this and you have Facebook and you say, do I have any friends that are, are gun people that could help me learn about them? You'll get 20 responses. Mm-hmm. I mean, mine and yours would be a whole lot of people, but... I just, heck, if you, if you have questions, call me, I don't mind it. You know, call me here at the shop. Yep. I'll help you out. Ask for Nick. Can you share just, maybe you can't, maybe you can't the, the gas tube story. Oh, about my engineer. Well, he's not my engineer. This was not a, uh, this was not a double star employee. Let me start by saying that. So a lot of times, you know, we talked about people accessorizing their rifles um, people will see things online and think, oh, I have to have that. Or their buddy will get one and they'll say, oh, I have to have that and not really understand why. Mm-hmm. So I had a call from a gentleman. He said, I want to order three pigtail gas tubes. Now, I've not seen pigtail gas tubes in a long time, so it's not really a thing anymore. Mm-hmm. But basically, they took a rifle length gas tube and curled it around the barrel three times and then straightened back out so that you could put. It's a car. It ended up being carbon length, so you could put it on short barrels, so it'd slow your action down. Instead of using a heavy buffer, you could use this. So this guy's buddy got one and put it on his gun, and apparently it ran like a top. So the man calls and he says, "My friend got this pigtail gas tube. I'd like to order three of them." No way, that's a different one. I want to order a pigtail gas tube. I said, "Sir, you don't need the pigtail gas tube." <laughs> And he said, I said, is your gun working? He said, yeah. I said, well, you don't need it. He said, no, I got to have this pigtail gas tube. So he calls, he, I sent him the pigtail gas tube. It's an $85 gas tube. Oh, wow. Oof. Normally 10 or $12 at that time. Wow. So I sent him this $85 gas tube. Of course, he puts it on. It doesn't work. Gun stops working. He calls me back. And he's upset. And I said, sir, I told you. <laughs> this wasn't going to work well i want to send it back and i said no no you can't and the guy ended up keeping it uh begrudgingly now the the other story for for gas tubes my engineer i got off track with the other guy okay they're both funny (laughs) yeah the other so 
The guy called me and said, I need to order three gas tubes. So I sent him three car gas tubes. He calls me a couple of days later. He says, Nick, I got these three gas tubes. Uh, they're all bent. He said, but don't worry. I straighten them out. I'm an engineer. They're perfectly straight now. And I started to laugh, shake my head, whatever. And uh, I said, okay, so what's the problem? And he said, Nick, I can't get them to go in the gun now. And I said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you right there. I said, you know, the bin that you took out of those gas tubes? I said, that's, that's supposed to be there so that they will fit into the upper. And it was real quiet on the other end of the phone for a minute. And, he, and then about 10 seconds later, he said, Nick, I'd like to order three more car gas tubes, please. So I, he was cool about it. And I sent him three more gas tubes, saved him a little money. But listen to your experts. <laughs> <laughs> that one made me cry laughing. Goodness gracious. Nope. Yeah, I'll find someone who's accredited or has a certificate or teaches this. And yeah. <laughs> and ask them. Yeah, and ask them. Um, okay, so coming here towards the end of this, uh, what do you wish more people understood about firearms in general? Mm, it's not all bad. It's not all good. Bad things happen with firearms because of stupid people and bad people. Yep. Um, guns are a tool. Guns are a privilege. I think people need to understand that. They are a right by, at least in America, they're a right. I don't know right. if you got any international listeners. Um, but, uh, you know, you need to learn about it. If you're going to get into it and if you're not going to get into it, I think you should still learn about it. Yeah. At least have a basic knowledge uh, of firearm safety. There's four rules. Learn them. That's it. That's all you got to do. You follow those. Everything should be copacetic. Copa what? Copacetic. Oh, I thought you were going to say kosher. Ah, <laughs> uh, pickle joke. I missed it. <laughs> See? Come on. I missed it. Big whiffer. No. We go from serious to laugh so fast. Um <laughs> I know you asked, I, I talked about this with you last week. So did you come up with an answer for what is the coolest experience you've ever had working in the firearms industry? I came up with two answers. Okay. The answer I should say is, you know, getting to teach uh, all the people is pretty cool. You know, taking people that, that have no knowledge whatsoever uh, on one day and at the end of the second day, they come out and they, they're taking the gun apart and they're showing me stuff. And they're like, I got on your website and I looked at this and could, would this do that? And I'm like, yeah, you got it. You know, the light bulb moment. Uh, those are always good. But the hunting, the, the coolest experience is when I got to shoot a Modus with Joe Montana at Gunsight in Arizona. So cool. So that's the real coolest moment. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's neat. Do you have any photos from that? Uh, yeah, I'm sure I do. I'll find one and send it to you. Heck yeah. So uh, he and I sitting by the Mondeuse. <laughs> no big it deal. Pretty, it was pretty cool. I love it. Cool. So uh, any goals, milestones, or bucket list items that uh, you're working on right now? Just trying to get better at, at what we do. You know, this is promoting a company with three sides is always a little difficult. Uh, three websites, three, just so much sometimes. Yeah. Um, and we're always kind of bouncing around and doing things. So I don't know. I want people, you know, before I finally hang it up, 
when they when they see the dragon or, or hear double star they go oh yeah i heard about them they're pretty good folks household name that's it that's, that's the goal and i got i figure i got i don't know i'm 41 now so another 100 years or so because you know medical technology just getting better all the time that's by then yeah you'll be in a Medi- video game yeah exactly <laughs> so what's next for nick nick collier you know i don't know when I'm done being a you know a full time dad, I could do something totally different. I have no idea. Um, I'm pretty comfortable here. Uh, these are good people. They're good to me. They're good to my family. Um, someday I'll probably retire from here. Uh, as as long as they leave us alone and let us make guns and, and keep helping the people out, I'll probably retire from here. But you never know. I could get a food truck or a car lot, a used car lot, or Ooh, I don't know. Rock star or farmer. I don't know. I could do anything. Farmer. Oh, uh, yeah. Farmer Nick. Farmer Nick. <laughs> trying to picture that. Farmer Nick. You should have seen me. I drove a tractor in a sinkhole last year. It was awesome. Oh, that's cool. And not good. That's not good. Yeah, that's not intentional. It worked out, but <laughs> it was kind of scary when it happened. <laughs> a bit. A little bit. Haven't done that. Farmer yeah. tractor, not into the sinkhole. <laughs> None. Yeah. It's ooh, take your breath away. <laughs> so. Oh, any final thoughts that you want to leave uh, listeners with? Hmm. Well, you've heard this before, but uh, take care of your people. <laughs> that's it. That's all I got. I think that's awesome. It's a great sentiment. All right. So how could people find Big Timber on social media? If you want to see the shenanigans that are Big Timber, it is Big Timber USA on Instagram. And then, of course, Nick Collier on Facebook. There are two Facebook accounts. Um, I did that to try something once and then forgot about it. So if you don't get a response from one, maybe send it to the other. <laughs> oh, man. And what about um, how can people email you maybe if they have questions um, or want to reach out? Yeah, if you want to reach out about anything we've talked about, I know that's that's a pretty wide gamut. Uh, give me an email, nick at star15.com. And you can get on doublestarusa.com and see all the cool stuff or sign up for the class or whatever you want to see. Make sure the subject line says dill, kosher, or spicy. <laughs> That's right. Dill, kosher, or spicy. That way I know where you come from. <laughs> oh, man. Nick, it's been a blast. Thanks for joining me. <laughs> Thank you, Kenzie. All right. And I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Reticle Up podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Follow along on social media at Reticle Up or 3 Gun Kenzie.